Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Welcome back on a Monday. In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse following a big, big weekend in Syracuse football and athletics in general. And the momentum of Friday night's win against Clemson in the Carrier Dome is continuing for the Orange. Dino Babers out of voice today because he went straight to recruiting and straight to every microphone he could find and did a great job in capitalizing on an opportunity created and taken advantage of by he, his staff, and his team. The Orange with that exciting win on Friday night in the Carrier Dome beating number two for the first time in their history. Highest-ranked team, obviously, Syracuse has beaten outside of the uh, takedown of number one Nebraska back in 1984. So all kinds of exciting stuff related uh, to that game, and uh, we'd love to hear your comments on it and your feedback. We can make it a kind of free-flowing discussion over the course of this week as we translate uh, out of the Clemson game and into Miami. Uh, working throughout the week. So good stuff. And uh, the Orange are right back on the road. The One of the sort of, I wouldn't say necessarily downside because uh, with the challenges come opportunities, but uh, the way of life in the ACC is you only get so long to celebrate a win like that and the opportunity to build momentum is not especially strong because after you beat a number two, an unbeaten team at home, you turn right around to play an unbeaten team on the road. Miami's number eight in the country, and at 5-0, and they had one game uh, washed out by the hurricane. They were able to survive on a basically last-second play on Saturday to uh, eclipse Georgia Tech, and uh, Miami feels as though it is back in a way. And the story here, of course, is is this the click? Is this what Dino Babers was talking about all along, middle of the second year, where things uh, really click, where the cake is baked, so to speak? It spent a long time in the oven. How dry is it? And uh, is it ready to come out and be served? And uh, will the Orange be able to back up one great win with another? Last year, the Q's had its big win to kind of kick the door down a little bit, get the exposure, get the locker room speech, get the ESPN time. They beat Virginia Tech, and from there didn't really follow it up in a permanent way. Injuries take their toll late in the season, as has been the story in in recent years around this program, and uh, something the 2017 Orange can't afford to have happen. Speaking on uh, Mike and Mike this morning, Coach Babers referring to how he hopes to approach it this time and uh, get the Orange back to form and to sustain their quality play from Friday night to keep it going to maybe get to a bowl game back as a possibility this year. Well, hopefully hopefully we got more depth. We haven't played our we haven't played with our two starting defensive ends since the first quarter of LSU. You know, we we still don't have the depth that we need to have in this program and when you take injuries at certain positions, there's some positions we can 
we can suffice, and there's other positions we just we can't recover from. We, and that's why we're still recruiting. I was out, you know, t- six hours after after I went to bed. I'm in New York City recruiting. I mean, we still need to build the underbelly of this football team. But to answer your question, we have to. There's two ways to handle it. You can bring them in and say, forget about that. Now we need to move on to the next game. But in my heart, I just feel this is too big. You've got you to gotta let this wave ride out. I, I was born in Hawaii. You've got to ride this wave. And so we, we, we're not going to bring them in. To, uh, we didn't bring them in Sunday. We're not bringing them in Monday. Now, that's, that's more than 48 hours. And when their butts get back here Tuesday, excuse my French, it's, it's time to get back to business, and, and it's, down, it's, uh, it's time to come back to the beach and put your clothes on. We've got to go back to school and get uh, to work. Classic uh, Dino Babers there and the way he sort of uh, looks at things and the way he talks to his team. I think you can tell in the locker room celebrations how respected Babers is by his team, how they rally around him, how much effort was put into these games, the brutal toll that the losses take. Had this been another close loss, it would have been a brutal scenario in that locker room. The fact that they hung on, they never trailed in the game, set off really a tremendous celebration, uh, more so even than the Virginia Tech. Last year, the Virginia Tech game, in a way, felt much more fluky, even though you look at it in terms of football, much more predictable. Syracuse jumped up and surprised the Virginia Tech team that took them lightly last year. I don't think that's what happened here in the case of Clemson at all. And this Clemson team is a whole lot better than last year's Virginia Tech team. This one just felt a little bit more like it was earned, fair and square. There were no trick plays. There actually was one that didn't work. But this is a monumental victory, and it's monumental to the extent that it gets followed up and creates sustaining support growth and momentum in the program. We're going to talk about how you can take part in that, how we all can over the course of today's show and throughout the week. If you'd like to join us by phone, you can at 437-7644. That's 4ESPN44. Slated to join us later in the program is Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports. And Pete's a guy who uh, certainly has a great national perspective of major football and basketball. We've been talking about having him on for the last couple of weeks related to the uh, basketball quote-unquote scandal. But in in this context, we'll have him on to talk about how teams get from off the radar to sort of that next level and their growth and what does a nationally televised win over a number two team do to bounce a team, a coach um, forward. Uh, Pete certainly is well abreast of the – coaching job market, et cetera. And so we will get into that with Pete Thamel later in the show today. It is Miami week. We'll get into the Hurricanes late in the week. Paulie is driving to Miami, so he's leaving right after today's show. <laughs> Wednesday, leaving Wednesday, Wednesday okay. afternoon. Crazy. How uh, how many hours? It's a 20-hour drive, and I'll take it over a couple days. Took a couple vacay days from work and enjoy the, the East Coast. So you're going to... Take a couple of days off of this to dress like a slob. And, yes, and eat fast food for uh-huh. get some Chick Fil A. How do you determine your days on and off? Like, I uh, guess you're just not going to be in front of a computer on those days. Yeah, I'll uh, well, I'll still end up having to work. Uh-huh. Can't trust Seth to do everything. Right. So. Okay. 
Well, that'll be a heck of a ride to our worst broadcast location of the season. I hope you're ready for that. I've heard that. I've heard yeah. that. Luckily, I don't have it to see It is in the game. stadium. The people are very helpful. But uh, actually seeing what's happening could be uh, could be a little bit of a difficult task come uh, Saturday. It's overrated. 3.30 start. Another nationally televised game back-to-back. So uh, this is why you play in the ACC. You want chances to be on the biggest stage. This is the biggest or second biggest stage in in college football right now, and you don't take a backseat to anybody really in terms of exposure. The Orange and consecutive games are going to have a Friday night nationally televised game on ESPN and then a Saturday afternoon nationally televised game. And Bob Wischusen, who we had on the show last week, will be at the mic for this coming game. And then it's on into a bye week before a road trip to Tallahassee to play Florida State. And then Wake Forest comes to the Dome, Military Appreciation Day in the Dome, on November 11th. All right, much more to come. We'll continue in the booth. Line up the phone calls if you'd like to chime in. Some of those guys that were on Stephen Seth's show, if you want to call in and mix it up, I'm ready for you. 437-7644 or 4ESPN44. This is in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Sunday, the Giants are at MetLife against the Seahawks. Pre-game at 325. Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Down to four seconds to go. Three, two, one, and that is it. The New York Giants have pulled off a massive upset, getting their first win of the season, undermanned, and they beat the Broncos decisively, 23 to 10, the final score. Well, that's sports, right? The Giants go on the road and get their first win of the year. They were 0 and 5, picked to win the division, picked to go to the Super Bowl. Laid one egg after another to start the year. Bob Papa on the call. You heard it here. You'll hear all the Giants games on ESPN Radio 97.7. And on Sunday Night Football, the Giants win in Denver against the Broncos. Jets had the crazy game yesterday. Another near miss for them. Should have been their fourth win of the year, perhaps, and a touchdown uh, overturned. That's one of the, you know, if you're a real stickler for the rules and know all that, that's one of the most punitive types of penalties or fine print you can imagine because not only was that not a touchdown for Austin Safarian Jenkins, he gets to the goal line, we'll hear the play here, but doesn't hang on to it. And then because the ball hits the pylon, it's and not just a turnover, it's a turnover and a touchback putting the ball at the 20 for the Patriots. McGuire in the backfield. McCown locates his tight end. Safarian Jenkins battling for the pylon. He's in. Touchdown, Jets. Some jawing after the play. Into the end zone results in a touchback. It'll be the leader's ball. First down the 20-yard line. What a turn of events here. Tony Corrente looked at the replay. They've determined that Safarian Jenkins lost control of the football. And they're ruling it a fumble through the back of the end zone. I, I'm just trying to fully understand the call. He juggles it there and has it. And and was across the goal line. He's got it there. Maintains possession there. Pylon goes down. Malcolm Butler with a heck of a job. Moving the ball right there. So that's uh, the great Iron Eagle and Dan Fouts on CBS. Very complicated play. 
Um, but uh, not a touchdown and overturned again because it hits the pylon. It is that's the equivalent of going out the back of the end zone. You heard Ian talk about that. We're hoping to have Ian on uh, later in the week. So a couple of crazy plays. We love going through these highlights. There's actually some broadcasting lowlights that we'll get to on the show as well. This is your one-stop shop, not only for sports talk, but for sports casting talk, which maybe only I care about, but uh, it's my show. If you don't care about it, get your own show. Anyway, then you've got the great game last night. Great game, wasn't it, Paulie? We Loved it. Dodgers and Cubs, postseason baseball the way it should be. Lots of second-guessing opportunities given the way uh, the bullpen was handled by Joe Madden, and here's how it sounded with Brian Anderson on the call. Well, how good is this? I mean, this is big league baseball right here. High tension with game two on the line. And the last guy the Cubs want to see right now is coming up, Justin Turner. And Turner in the air to center field. That ball's hit well. Martinez on the run. This is way back. And it is gone. It is a walk-off home run for Justin Turner. Brian Anderson on TBS. Great job with the call. And he didn't talk again for another 30 seconds as Turner's rounding the bases. And then they went into a a tremendous post-game interview with uh, Sam Ryan down on the field. And, uh, Paul, you were great on social. You had a great line on Twitter. I can't believe what I just read. It was the <laughs> the same day as the Kirk Gibson home run. And that's why he loves sports. First of all, how, how great's the life of the guy who caught the ball in center field? The Dodger fan oh, yeah. catches the home run. So he's going to the World Series for free, I'm sure. Uh, if they make it, obviously. Justin Turner, who grew up in Long Beach as a Dodger fan, he says, look, I, I thought about doing the you know the Kirk Gibson fist post. more of a pull, like a, yeah. starting a lawnmower. Uh, kind of thing going around the bases. Would have been very cool if he did it. I'm kind of thinking the same thing. I, w- I thought that maybe in the back of my head, and in, in the end I didn't have the presence of mind to uh, intone the uh, 84 Nebraska call or anything like that uh, in terms of making Friday night's uh, moment uh, a little more unique or special. But uh, And Brian Anderson hit it right. That was big league baseball. Power against power. And uh, Joe Madden leaving his closer in the bullpen to have John Lackey on the mound for the second straight day. First time in his career that Lackey's pitched on back-to-back days, and Turner's red hot. And uh, that fan that caught the ball, what a read on that ball. <laughs> he got up out of his seat. Oh, did he? And, I didn't notice that. Yeah, and walked all the way over and read that. He read the fly ball off the bat. And we all walked right over and caught it. So Wow. Well, That's good. the little things good, good, in sports that I watch. Good instincts. <laughs> and uh, Justin Turner, who uh, is already in his Chewbacca costume, for uh, Halloween, getting the job done there. So great sports last night. Of course, we're talking about the sports from Friday night and want to get to some comments from Coach Babers here uh, from his press conference today. And we'd love to have you call. Maybe tomorrow we'll have a little more time on the show. You want to call in? Feel free. I want to kind of get into this idea here. The the way I look at it, Polly, Syracuse's next opponent coming off a win, then Syracuse has no chance because the other team's good, right? They're coming off a loss, got no chance because now they're woken up. Syracuse wins, well, now we've got no chance in Miami, not going to sneak up on them. And if you win twice, well, now we're really screwed because the coach is going to leave. <laughs> right? Is that pretty much Yeah, there, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. Like, there, by that, those measures, no team could, the, the 87 team could not have gone undefeated 
because we weren't going to sneak up on anybody anymore after we beat Penn State. Right. And, you know, so it, it doesn't make it. No, we'll, we'll get into. It's all on how the players play on the field. Well, Believe I just would not. like to see a better attitude. First of all, was that fun on Friday night? Sure it was. That was fun with 40,000 people. Imagine how much fun it would be with 50,000 people in there. And everybody here has got a stake in this. Like, I think you've noticed how important it is when Syracuse football is good. And did you enjoy the rest of the weekend? You see smiles on people's faces and what it means for the national exposure when the football team is good. And one of the ways to get the football team consistently good is to support it. So instead of, well, geez, now now they're coming after our coach, we're done. Well, how about when you buy tickets and you support the coach, they're less likely to leave. There's more money to pay the coach, more to keep them here, et cetera. And that's the cycle of major college athletics. And we can get into it. I uh, think maybe more of a topic uh, for tomorrow when we have, have a little more time. I don't think, I'm not saying he never would. I don't think Dino Babers is looking actively to leave. Will there be some interest in him if uh, the trend stays up here? Of course there will because there, there ought to be. He's a good coach, good staff, exciting style of play. You ha- you don't When people are coming looking for your guy, it doesn't mean he has to go, right? It's like the bully on the block uh, coming after your lunch money. You, you can push back a little bit. You can have your own answer. And we can uh, talk about how that might get formulated. The fans got to stay level too. You right, gotta stay, absolutely. You can't you can't come off of a Middle Tennessee loss and think it's the worst program well, we in see the history. That, we see that in basketball all, all the time too. You you beat DePaul by forty in January. Hey, we'll see you at the Final Four. You lose the next week to Pittsburgh. Fire the coach. It's you know so that's that's how it goes. That one game isn't going to get Dino Babers a better gig. Correct. You got to let the season play out. And and don't worry about it. You you can't. The only way you can affect it is by buying tickets, like you said. You can't stop them from going anywhere. So right, and, you know, and and indicating that there's a level of support and commitment to major college football is how you. One of the ways you can hang on to coaches. If you want to join that conversation, you can four three seven seven six four 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 ESPN forty four. Here's uh, Coach Babers today on the idea of not only winning against a highly ranked team, but beating number two and doing it in a nationally televised exclusive exclusive game on a Friday night. The win is big. It's it's a national win. It's really the timing. When you play on a Friday night, everyone sees you. I mean, if we were playing on Saturday, we'd have been sitting there Friday night watching that game with our team or watching the game in different individual rooms, getting ready for a meeting somewhere. Everyone sees you. So it's, it's a big moment, you know. As the millennials would say, if you that's a trending moment. Everyone's watching. The social media is buzzing. Everybody knows what's going on. It's big. This moment is big. It has nothing to do with the season. The moment is big. If you're just talking about the moment, it's big. Coach Papers, he knows, uh, he knows how to uh, work in the lingo. Not only does he coach college football and has for many years, so he's around uh, 18 to 22-year-old guys. He's got four daughters who are uh, either in or just out of college. And uh, he knows about the trending. He did drop a neener, neener, neener in his post-game press conference. That's one I haven't heard in a while. We have a dome. Other teams don't. Neener, neener, neener. (laughs) I had not heard that He does say some odd things. Remember when uh, when Dennis Miller was on Monday Night Football, they had the annotated Dennis Miller? It's like the next day they explained uh, what all of his vague references were to or his... 
his esoteric stuff. And we may have to do that with Babers and, and go back and uh, have links to the movie references he makes and, and that type of thing. But he's done a nice job. I thought he was really, really smart. And this is typical Babers. I don't think this is telling tales out of school. It's uh, sharing my access to him. I, I think in an honest moment, he doesn't think he's very good, like in front of a microphone and that type of thing. When we started this year at the Dome, the interview that Brian gets with Coach coming off the field at halftime is broadcast in the Dome to add to the Dome experience. And on the first, like the day after the first game, he says something to the effect of, oh, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know if you could hear me. I didn't know if it went well. It, you know, wasn't his cup of tea. And I said, Coach, it's great. Got to do it. And then the other night, what's he do? He knowing he's doing the interview for the purpose of radio, but he's speaking to the 40,000 people in the house. He got him fired up on his way off the field, going into the locker room with the lead against number two Clemson and had a real knack for uh, how to turn that around. That was uh, very, very smart. Now, last year, the Orange beat Virginia Tech, did not follow it up very well. One of the reasons they didn't is they were battered and bruised by the end of the year, and they were not the representative team at the end of the year that they uh, had in mind in training camp. Got to make that different this time around. And the hope would be that Syracuse would be able to get back a couple players that have been uh, not part of the mix here in Kendall Coleman and Josh Black specifically. Well, hopefully, hopefully we got more depth. We haven't played our we haven't played with our two starting defensive ends since the first quarter of LSU. You know, we we still don't have the depth that we need to have in this program. And when you take injuries at certain positions, there's some positions we can we can suffice, and there's other positions we just we can't recover from. We and that's why we're still recruiting. I was out. You know, six hours after after I went to bed, I'm in New York City recruiting. I mean, we still need to build the underbelly of this football team. But to answer your question, we have to – there's two ways to handle it. You can bring them in and say, forget about that. Now we need to move on to the next game. But in my heart, I just feel this is too big. you gotta, you got to let this wave ride out. I, I was born in Hawaii. you got to ride this wave. And so we, we, we're not going to bring them in. To, uh, we didn't bring them in Sunday. We're not bringing them in Monday. Now, that's, that's more than 48 hours. And when their butts get back here Tuesday, excuse my French, it's, it's time to get back to business. And, and it's, down, it's, uh, it's time to come back to the beach and put your clothes on. We've got to go back to school and get uh, to work. A Dino Babers radio replay, his time on uh, Mike and Mike this morning. And I find it interesting he's let these guys soak for a couple of days here. Friday night game, not required in the building on Sunday, not required in the building on Monday, historically uh, only one of those has been a day off, um, and now it's a little bit different in the way they do the the rules, the 20-hour rule, and now media and training and some of those things count against it that uh, haven't in the past, but he's going to let them uh, soak a little bit, and he knows he's running into a quality Miami team this week, a Miami team that uh, was able to survive last week to go to 5-0. and You know, you're playing another undefeated team in the top 10, uh, another storied program, they have more athletes than we have. We're trying to get athletes like they have, and we're playing them at their place. So it's going to be a difficult, difficult game, and we're going to be playing it on the road and weather and everything else. So uh, we've got a lot of work to get to. And the, it is a kind of a condensed week here in a way because uh, you're back at it. You're traveling on Friday. The Orange uh, don't have a dome game. It's really four weeks between Dome games and uh, a long time between home Saturday games with the next one being November 11th against uh, Wake Forest. So 
Those are the thoughts of Coach Babers. More from him certainly this week on Thursday night, the AmeriQ-Eno Babers show over at the Marriott Syracuse downtown. And our guest will be the other co-offensive coordinator. We had Mike Lynch last week. He talked about how well he slept as the coach of the offensive line against the Clemson defensive front four, which is arguably the best in the country. And uh, the uh, offensive line for Syracuse had its best game of the year uh, in uh, helping Eric Dungy and company through the week. And now we'll have Sean Lewis, the uh, co-offensive coordinator, big tall guy you see on the sidelines, and uh, really bright about the quarterbacks and the way he brings things along. We'll talk to him about uh, Eric Dungy's fine play over the course of the season on Thursday night out of the show. In fact, uh, that will be Brian Higgins uh, hosting the show there on Thursday with the gang at uh, Shaughnessy's. Hope you check that out. And then after the radio show on Thursday night, this will be kind of cool. You can have a replay of the victory against Clemson from this past Friday. Relive the excitement right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse on uh, Thursday night at 8 o'clock after the Dino Babers show. When we come back, we'll get into a few odds and ends, and then we'll visit with Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports, get a little bit of a national perspective on a number of things, but we'll start, of course, with the bounce that Syracuse might get from beating Clemson in the Carrier Dome. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. By the way, was I drunk yesterday on this show? The guy is drunk! When Seth asked me how many wins I thought the Giants would end up with, did I say six? I think I said that, and I I think that... uh, Dumb. Yeah. Yeah. No! No, can... On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Live from the dboffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care Here's Joe Salzone. Al Michaels says he's sorry for a joke comparing the Giants to Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein. I mean, let's face it, the Giants are coming off a worse week than Harvey Weinstein. (laughs) And they're up by 14 points. Only my L.A. guy comes up with that one. Well, you know. There you go. All you have to do is read the papers, (laughs) any paper. Back in Denver. Sorry I made a reference earlier before. Try to be a little flip about uh, somebody obviously very much. In the news all over the country, and was not meant in that manner. So, uh, my apologies, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. You know, hey, Al Michaels is maybe the best there ever was at uh, at doing this, and he he is a very funny guy. Tried to be funny there. That was ill advised. Took it back. Move on. I don't care. I don't either. Okay, but, but if he <laughs> if he said had a worse week than everybody, but he wouldn't. He probably might have gotten away with it a little bit. It would have been viewed a little bit uh, differently. But it, in poor taste, no need to go there. What if he hadn't apologized? I don't care. I don't care either way. I mean, it's it's he he probably shouldn't have gone there. It was awkward for everybody. Collinsworth, you know, kind of gave an awkward uh, response to it. Um, they are told to, you know, I'm sure steer clear of that stuff and move it on. And so will we. I will say he had to have pre-written that joke. Like, well, he's not write it, but he you know has in his mind that this is a funny one-liner. I mean, he he crowbarred it in, I think. Yeah. But, but well, obviously. So, 
After Justin Turner hit a walk-off three-run homer last night, giving the Dodgers a win, a legend was waiting outside the team's clubhouse for manager Dave Roberts. 90-year-old Tommy Lasorda had a message for Roberts, quote, everybody else tried to do this, but you're doing it. What, beat Pauly in Little League? That's <laughs> <laughs> right? your guy, isn't it, Pauly? Yeah, he was in the same Little League I was. Dave Roberts, Vista, Vista Proud. But Tommy Lasorda, well, Tommy Lasorda did it a time or two as well, getting to the World Series, which Roberts hasn't done yet. But uh, that was an awesome home run the, to bring to mind the Kirk Gibson 1988 uh, home run from the World Series. Pretty big deal. And it would have been, uh, Justin Turner said he was going to do the kind of the fist pump on the way off. That would have gotten people, cra- that would be a meme and everything. You know, the modern uh, sort of running with that would be uh, incredible today. It'd be a TV commercial and everything overnight. And he hasn't done anything yet. Let's get through the World Series. It's hard for me to root for the Dodgers, by the way. And the New York Times reports 30% of people born after 1980, the so-called millennials, are not interested in freedom. Compare that to about 72% of Americans who were born before World War II. Freedom from what? Democracy in general. This is America. What are you talking about? Where do you come up with some of this stuff? (laughs) That was in the New York Times. It means millennials don't care. They don't care. All the news that's fit to print. They want a nanny state. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't care about much of anything, as far as we can tell. Is that really the definition of millennials? That seems like, if you were born after, you know, saying you're born after 1980, so you could be as old as 36 and be a millennial? Yeah. I think 36 is the cutoff age. Really? 35, 36. I'm not. Seems very high to me. I'm a Gen Xer. I believe is what the, uh, yeah. 19. There's got to be some explanation for whatever you are, Paulie. All right. I we'll love to, freedom. Let's get to a break. <laughs> Pete Thamel loves freedom. He'll be on with us when we continue from Yahoo Sports. That's next in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the booth on ESPN Radio here for another 10 minutes or so. Back tomorrow through Thursday, 2 to 3. Mm. Talking sports with you, and we're going to talk some sports with our friend Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports. And uh, good to have you on, Pete. A, a long time in the making in terms of the number of things that we could talk with you about. And I didn't necessarily, when we first uh, kind of discussed this, think that we would uh, kind of chime in on, on this particular topic. But uh, I know you got a column in the books, and the Orange with a, a big upset the other night allowed you to write about Syracuse for a little bit. Yeah, I uh, I mean, look, uh, they were 23.5-point underdogs. Uh, they lost to Middle Tennessee a month ago, which I don't have to remind you of, Matt. And, uh, you know, I did not expect Syracuse to win that football game. <laughs> not a lot of people did. I was going to say. Yourself, likely included. <laughs> and uh, it was a... Uh, it was just a fun to watch. It was fun to see the Carrier Dome alive again. You know, people always ask me, like, as an alum, do you root, you know, for Syracuse? And no, I don't, and I can't. But I will say, like, the years they were really bad under Robinson and Schaefer, like, you just you get sick of people being like, what's wrong up there? What's wrong up there? It's just nice to see them relevant and have a pulse again. Uh, it was it was a fun night. It, it was neat to watch from afar. Well, amen, and I th- think you are well-positioned to kind of point out for all of us uh, sort of the benefit that you get from first of all, you're on a big stage, and then when you come through, when an opportunity presents itself, all of the spoils that that come with that. So, you, first of all, you've got a Friday night nationally televised game to begin with. That is as much a Clemson thing as anything. You know, Clemson's the mm-hmm. one that gets that game yeah. on national TV uh, to start with, and then and the, and the 
contract you have in your conference. But when you win it and when your coach is as affable as this one is and he's got the locker room speech, this really has legs. And, and I think, you know, because you follow every major program in the country, you might be able to speak to uh, how that gets perceived from a 30,000-foot view. All excellent points, Matt. And I, and I really think that this has the potential to be a signature paradigm-changing win for Dino Babers in Syracuse. And you start with the just – Everybody watched that game in college football. Everyone. It was a Friday night, and it was the only game on. And as it got closer and closer, I mean, if you were following Twitter, I mean, the entire country watched that game and followed it. Clemson is second to Alabama, the you know biggest and best brand in, in recent college football history. And for Syracuse to play the way they did, they honestly should have won by more, Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you called the game. You you, you saw. So, so well, they spotted them seven again, you know, and, you know, a, a uh, 60-yard fumble recovery yeah. and return that's giving away seven points yeah after a questionable pass interference call took away seven the other way i mean they but this was it was not a fluky win syracuse went toe-to-toe with the best in the country simply wore them down and uh and, and beat them and i i think this i talked to dino babers on saturday afternoon for for a follow column and you know he made a great point he said this is going to help us keep the recruits we have and then he said this could also get some kids to jump in the boat that might be thinking I could go to a little bit of a better, you know, more established school because there's still ample opportunity to play early. The trick of year three, which Dino's coming up against after a transition, typically is that your, your upper classes aren't very flush because there's been transitions. So you're not going to be stuck with juniors and seniors. So long story short, there's playing time available. Um, Here's the best thing that Dino Babers has done, Matt, at, at Syracuse. Right now, perhaps at no time since we were in college in the late 90s, can you say affirmatively, this is the Syracuse program? You know exactly what they're going to look like, how they're going to play. They have a star, which they really haven't had in a long time either, but you know exactly what you are going to see. And they've recruited to it, they've trained to it, and now they're good at it. And they are a up-tempo, fast, you know, and they've done a great job. I think orange is the new fast is one of their buzzwords. But there is a concise vision and, I think, great leadership that has put them to this point where, you know, nearly two years into Babers' coaching tenure, you know exactly what you're getting and exactly what you're going to see. And I think identity and culture and those things are so important today in college football. Recruits know, okay, if I go to Syracuse – I'm going to catch a lot of balls. If I go to Syracuse, we're going to play a million snaps. If I go to Syracuse, I'm going to throw the ball around a lot, that kind of thing. So um, I, I really think that it was a manifestation of that. People knew it, and then they saw it, and on Friday they saw it work. Sure. You're 100% right. We're visiting with uh, Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports, formerly of Sports Illustrated and New York Times. And, and I, I've said that for a long time, that having a plan and a brand and a direction – Right now, really, it's the biggest strength of Dino Babers. It's It proves he's been a head coach before. It's something that he walked in the door with. When Doug Marone came here, the, the one thing that was evident is, hey, it might not always work out, but he clearly has a plan. He's going to share it with those that are closest to him and who need to know, and you're going to see a plan. If his predecessor had a plan, it wasn't as, it wasn't as clear, right? And. One oh, of the things Craig that allows, Robinson. yeah, one of the things that allows the Babers regime to move forward is everybody knows what they're doing. They know what they're looking for in recruiting. They know how they're going to play. All of these assistants have been with them at several schools, you know, for the most part. And there's uh, huge benefits uh, to that. 
uh, in terms of how um, how he moves together. And and I think that as much as anything, and, and forget about the idea yet, you can chime in if you care to, the I think people want to jump to the conclusion and worry, okay, well now our coach is good and everybody's going to come and poach him away. But before you even get to that, you see his stock rising, and it's rising for the right reasons, and that's not just the locker room speech. Well, Syracuse having a coach others are coveting is a good problem to have. Yes. And it'll be interesting because this, this in the big picture, gives Dino some leverage, right, Matt? And Okay, what gutted the Pascaloni era ultimately? There's a, there was a lot of flaws, but he was unable to keep assistant coaches. So, you know, what John Wildhack needs to do in, in the wake of the success that Dino's had, and we're going to assume it's going to continue at some point, this, you know, to some extent this season, is you can't lose Sean Lewis to a Big Ten team because they dangle 200 more grand at him. You need to take what you have, secure it, protect it, and move it forward. Um, I'm not naive. Like there are a lot better jobs in college football than Syracuse. Um, in if some bigger time, bigger money place calls, Dino Babers could go. I mean, that's just the, that's just the reality and the, and the fact of life of where Syracuse is in the in the ecosystem right now. But what Wild Hack needs to do, in, and I mean, look, this he landed the job, and this coach just happened to be there, and you know, he stumbled into a very good thing. You need to keep it and you need to protect it in order to do everything possible. You need to get the, the, the dome renovated. You just put everything in place to, to keep him here and to allow him to continue to succeed. Uh, you know, told me on Saturday for the, for the column, that little follow note that I did that he's put 60 to $70,000 into his, uh, into his home, uh, which is right near, uh, which is right near Manly. And, you know, I took that, that rebuild as a sign he's committed to, uh, to the rebuild that he's done, you know, with the football program. Um, but look, it's, it's, it's a good problem to have if, if, if others are interested. And what he has proven is what we just talked about. He can build a program. You're, you're absolutely right. And uh, he doesn't throw money around uh, loosely. So mm-hmm. I think he means it. And my personal f- feeling is he's not flipping through Phil Steele's magazine this morning shopping, which which one of these are going to be open. He's not doing that. Yeah. I, I think as yeah. long as, and I'm not saying he will never leave. I'm just saying as long as he's supported and the promises are lived up to, you know, on a reasonable level. Like, I don't think he needs to yeah. be making $8 million a year and all this kind of crazy True. stuff. So yeah. I, I what I'm trying to, I think, express to the fan base is that this is within reach if everybody just sort of understands what's going on and and uh, try not to, to panic a great deal. I've got just a couple minutes left with uh, <laughs> That's the most Syracuse thing family. ever that well, after a big win the fans start to panic that he No, I started with this show. They, they probably hated him the week before. I love it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, here's the thing. You're going to I'll I'll end the show with how I started it and we'll have you on another time to talk about the basketball mess or whatever. So here's the th- here's a Syracuse fan way of looking at it. Then you you confirm or deny. If your previous opponent is, you know, the opponent you're playing this week, if they come off a win, well, we've got no chance because they're obviously better and they're rolling. If they yeah. are coming off a loss, like LSU was against Mississippi State, okay, we're screwed because they're awoken and now they're going to take it out on us. If Syracuse is coming off a win, like they are this week, well, no chance. We're not going to sneak up on Miami now. They're going to be ready. If Syracuse yeah. wins two in a row, well, forget about it. They're going to take our coach and we're going to lose every game the rest of the <laughs> You'd think the sun doesn't come out, you know? <laughs> well, I would like, hey, if we talked last week, I'd be, I'd turn around and I'd say, hey, what are you talking about? It's 80 degrees. Now, today is a very Syracuse day, unfortunately. Yeah, but, it's, it's like that in Boston, too, so I shouldn't throw stones. All right. <laughs> 
Well, our time is short. Uh, I appreciate your being on. We'll, we'll do it again when we can stretch out on a few other things, okay? Hey, thanks, Matt. This was fun. All right, Pete Thamley's the best with uh, Yahoo Sports. Lots of good stuff. A major shakeup weekend in uh, college football with so many of these. Uh, there were no ranked versus ranked matchups, and a lot of the teams that were ranked got whooped. Washington State lost on uh, Friday night as well. Washington lost, etc. Uh, Auburn lost to LSU. So uh, we breeze through uh, this one on a Monday. Much more to come later in the week. We'll get into Miami with uh, Joe Zagaki, their play-by-play voice, on Thursday. We'll get into your uh, questions, comments, and all of that as we continue. Polly, Joe, the whole crew in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.